0: You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Kenny's going to be a preacher one day. He didn't take a whole breath during that whole time. (laughs) So that's going to be great. Um, So it's a, a privilege and an honor to be here. I have to give a couple kudos out today. First of all, Thank you, Amanda and Logan, for saving the day on Thursday night. I uh, miscommunicated, didn't get some stuff done on time. Logan put together the PowerPoint. Amanda got the notes all done, and I really appreciate that. And then I miscommunicated again, and Kate and Sweet Kim, they got everything rolling this morning. So thank you guys all for saving the day. Yes, and they did a good job, of course. It's a miracle! (laughs) It's funny how a church, you know, a guy gets up and you guys want to make fun of his speech impediment. I mean, what the? (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. All right. Anyways, moving right along. A couple things we're going to talk about today. Number one is true freedom. Steve hit it on the head already sharing the verse he shared. And we're going through a, a, a series right now on scriptures that are misused, misquoted, misrepresented. And downright abused, actually. Something dawned on me this week that sometimes people are absolutely abusing the Scriptures, abusing their authority. And so we want to, as a church, we want to walk in the true freedom that Christ died to set us in. So that's why we as pastors and elders, we're going through this series right now, is because we want people to walk in all that God's called them to walk in. And if you're not understanding the Scriptures, and not fully living out what the Scriptures say, and what God's told us to do in the Scriptures, well then, you're not living in the... in the full freedom that He's died to set you in. So, Psalm 119, verses 44 and 45 say this, I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Church, we have to be devoted to His commandments, and we have to obey His instructions. Right. Uh, um, last service, and a time back, Chris Miller came up here with the word. She said, you know, how do we show God our love? Well, God's love language is obedience, that's right. and that's how we show God, his, show God that we love Him, is by obeying Him, and so yeah. that's why we're here. And so sometimes in our culture, we'll misrepresent these, uh, the scriptures, and we'll misquote them, and we'll misuse them. It's out of a selfish desire. It's out of a desire to make ourselves feel better, or we water it down when we shouldn't water it down. And, uh, and again, when we're doing that, is what we're really doing is we're deleting the need of God in our lives. We're saying, this really is what we're saying. is God, I don't really trust what you have to say to me. You've given me this word, but I'm not going to fully obey it because I know better. And so it's really, in a sense, kind of like spitting in God's face. Here he is. He's given you this word. He's asked you to be obedient. And you're saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do that today. Yeah. I mean, that's not freedom. He died to set us free, and that's what the scriptures are all about. And so we preach for freedom. We preach to see people's lives change forever for his sake, not for my sake, not for Steve's sake, Logan's, the rest of that. anybody else that's in here. It's for Jesus' sake that we come up here and do this. So we have to be a church that takes the Bible in context with the whole Bible in context and uh, be po- empowered by the Holy Spirit of truth when we go to uh, learn, discern, and use the, the scriptures as we see fit. So not out of worldly desires, but out of God's desires. So a topic that's near to dear to my heart, parenting. I love being a dad. I have a lot of kids that I love to death. I know there's a lot of other people in here that have kids that they love to death. And so today, the Bible does talk about training our children. And so we pulled out a verse when we d- divvied this up. And I chose this one a while back. And it's Proverbs 22:6. 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will n- not depart from it. So we have to start with, what is this verse not saying? Number one, it's not saying it's okay for our children that we are raising to rebel. Nowhere in there does it say, Jesus say, I love rebellion and I love sin. In fact, God says quite the opposite. He hates rebellion and he hates sin. So this verse isn't saying, oh, it's okay for my children to rebel. Absolutely not saying that. It's absolutely not saying that. But but we do have children that rebel, and we're going to talk about that as we go through this. And, and as parents, it's not okay for you to give them the okay to do that. Yeah. Okay, It's your job as parents to point them to the truth. So when your child is rebelling, you let them know you love them. Because we are to be prodigal parents. So no matter what our children do, yeah. we're uh, peace picker uppers, no matter what, for the rest of our lives if we have children. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we need to be there to pick up the pieces and arms open wide when they come back. But if they're doing something that's contrary to the Word of God, contrary to, the, to their Christian beliefs, then it's your job as a parent to not go, oh, that's okay. Because it's not okay. That's right. It's your job as a parent to tell them you love them and then tell them you do not approve of this. It's your job to let them know that this is what the Word of God says and what you're doing is not in line with the Word of God. But I love you and I'm here for you. But just so you know, you don't have my blessing in this. Because if you don't say that to them, they're just going to carry on their way because they don't know any better. So it's our job as parents to not say, oh, it's okay to rebel. It's our job as parents to say it's not okay to rebel from the Word of God. It's not okay to live a life of sin and to be influenced by this world and the world's influence. So be prodigal parents. So love them when they come back. I also don't believe it's blaming uh, adult children's poor choices on parenting either. The Lord works in ways that we don't understand, and that's all right. That's all right. It says in the Bible, it says he hardens hearts sometimes. He hardens hearts to his life-saving gospel. Can we understand that? No. No. It's not our job to understand that. It's not our job. uh, Sometimes he does things, and again, we just can't grasp it. It's for his eternal glory. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, and now these are his friends, so he's in a safe place. He's not being challenged by uh, the elite religious people at that time or anything like that. These are his buddies. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Listen to the answer, church. I, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Things happen. Things happen. It wasn't his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. When he, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sin. So the man went and washed and came back seen. Wonderful. Came back seen. Why would God let this kid be born blind? Because he was going to perform a miracle. So that people would come to know a miracle. <laughs> all right, get it out, get it out. Let's go, get it out. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Mercy-oriented people. I love them. They keep me alive. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Where was I? It's a miracle so that his power could be shown, so that his eternal goodness could be displayed, so that people would come to know him. So we don't always understand why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, let's face it. Rahab delivered his people at the walls of Jericho by lying. This prostitute lied to the authorities of the city, and it delivered his people. I don't know about you guys, but we all know lying is a sin. We all know this, and yet God used this to deliver His people. I don't get it. I don't have to get it. You might not get it. You don't have to get it, and it's okay. It's okay. God works in mysterious ways. One of my, to me, one of my most comforting uh, passages in Scripture is Romans eleven, thirty-three through thirty-six. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom, and knowledge how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. We just need to relax in God. We just need to relax in the life-saving work of Jesus. We need to quit making a way on our own and just start trusting in Him and everything. And let's face it, church. Adam and Eve had the perfect parents, and they were the wayward children. All right? (laughs) There are no such thing as an earthly perfect parent. So let's not beat ourselves up, but yet yet, let's not forget what the Scripture does say. It is saying, train up your children. So there is a responsibility that we do have as parents. And we have to grasp this. We have to hold on to this. We have to say, okay, I'm a parent now, or I've been a parent. I got to do it. I got to own it. I can't just push it off. I can't pawn it off on somebody else. It's me. There's no one else to be this child's parent but me. Mom and dads, grandparents, uncles and aunts, wherever you may be in that, um, Unfortunately, though, our world right now says, don't train your children. Our world's kind of in this, in this misconception that it's okay to not set boundaries and to let your children meet every single selfish desire that they have. And they are little selfish beings. Yeah. <laughs> all right? What is it yes, it's their nature. And so, so if you, as a parent, are, are giving in to their selfish desires that they have all the time, especially when they're little... Are you really teaching them to put heathers first as the Bible commands us? Are you really teaching them God's ways to meet all your fleshly desires? Are you teaching them to say, hey, if it feels good, do it? Because sometimes it only feels good for a moment and the consequences are long, long lasting. And so we don't want those kind of negative consequences. So, So we have to grasp it. What's freedom? To obey God to walk in his commandments, to know his word. So we want our children to do that too. Parenting is serious business. And it starts on our knees. If you're not praying for your kids, you need to start praying for your kids. I'm telling you, you can't do it on your own. Kids like Marcella are tough, tough, tough. (laughs) We love you. We love you. Hey, by the way. (laughs) All right. Moving right along. We have to be on our knees. We have to be on our knees praying for our children because we need the Lord's discernment. Right? We need the Lord's guidance. Because let me tell you, each kid is distinctly unique and different. I have twins. They're supposed to be DNA the same, right? Well they are. But yet they are completely different little creatures. Alright? One's a complete engineer. I mean, literally he walks up to him, Dad, why, how's this work, Dad? Why does that work? Dad? why is that there? Dad, why is that over there? Dad, why isn't this here? blah 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 why blah why, blah blah, blah, why, why?" The other one's like, ah, I'm all, they're twins. How are they so different? Yet they are, and if, and they each need to be treated, how each of them needs to be treated. And let me tell you the most famous prayer of all, "Help me, Lord, you're going to need him. You're going to need him. And most importantly. Most importantly, you need to be praying for their salvation from day one. Actually, from before day one. Start praying for their salvation. We need His help, and it's the simple things too. My oldest son, David, he was having a horrible time with his spelling test, like failing every single spelling test this year. And it wasn't that we weren't putting in the effort. We we're like, write them out, do this, do that. We are trying, trying, trying them all. I don't get it. He's a smart kid. There's no way he's not able to do this. So then. I was praying, Lord, how do I get him to do this? And the Lord put a little deposit on me. He said, do it like a spelling bee. I'm all, what? Say the word, spell the word, say the word. That simple, right? I started getting like uh, perfect scores the rest of the year. Yeah. It was just a simple deposit from the Holy Spirit for me to help train my son in a way, in a little thing. It's a spelling word in the grand scheme of eternity. It's a big deal. I can't spell if it wasn't for my computer and spell check. No, it's not. However, that's what we need to be. We need to be a people that are seeking the Holy Spirit for guiding our children in everything, in everything, not just in in you know big things. And church, parents, grandparents, any of anyone who has the the authority to raise the child that they're raising right now, wherever it may be, it is a God ordained responsibility. Yeah. It's given to you from the Lord to be a parent. Right. Casey Webb told me one day it was a great, great analogy. She said, My kids will have many friends, but they only have one mom. All right, we gotta we gotta own that. We don't need to be our kids' friend. We need to be their moms and dads. So, so we have to be. We have to accept this uh, responsibility that the Lord's given us. Ephesians six four says this: Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. We're not going to focus on that before. But dads, I tell you, and I tell you again, we can be downright dirtbags. We can come home from work, and some of us work in some stressful jobs. We deal with the not uh, hard people in society. I don't know how to say it politely, but people that are making poor choices that aren't following Jesus. And we come home, we're worn out, we're beat down, we're tired, and the last thing we can do is take it out on our children. And it happens. It does happen sometimes. And we'll talk more about when it does happen, what to do in a little bit. But dads, you have to be careful that's why I got to work on that every time I come home from work. I'm in a, in a workplace, and now I'm at home. And my wife, she's wonderful. She helps me with that transition. I can call it a transitional phase, but that transition, she'll come. And she'll hey, if you need to take a nap, go take a nap. Because <laughs> she's, really, she's a real firm believer that your attitude's your choice. <laughs> so, so that's right. So anyways, rather bring them up with the discipline and instructions that comes from the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and the instructions that comes from the Lord. That's our job as parents. It is our job as parents. And it's okay. It's okay. We train dogs. We train horses. We train employees, people at work. We train, 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 train. Yet we don't train our children. We're missing the point. We're missing the point. It's okay. Deuteronomy 6 uh, 6 through 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently... Love that word, diligently. Love that word, diligently. I don't need to define it in a different way. It's diligent. That means it's all the time, and it's hard. And you've got to stay at it and be consistent. Be diligent. Diligently, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So we have a job to teach our children about the the scriptures, about the Bible. But not only that, in those days, uh, they didn't have a Bible. But they told them about what God's done in their lives, how he's delivered them, the promises he's kept. And so we as parents, we need to teach them about the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. But at the same time, we need to share with them, what has God done in my life? How has Jesus changed me? Because we're all miracles. Uh, Okay, all right. I figured I'd try to get one or two out of you guys. But, uh, <laughs> but God's changed all of us, and God's blessed us and worked in all of our lives. Amen. And our children need to know, what has he done for me so that he knows that he's alive and real today? Amen. So it's not just about the Bible, and it is about the Bible, but it's also about how he's changed me, how he's changed Andrew, how he's knit us together and united us. So we have to talk about what he's done for us as well. So guess what? Train means to dedicate, to prepare for service, and catch this one. This is really deep, really deep, to train. All right? Whoa. All right? That's what this verse is saying. Train up a child. Train him up. Train him up. It's good for him. Train him up in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from him. So I did a little study on the way he should go, and it says according, literally, little translation translation is according to the mouth, which means at the beginning. So then I started pondering that at the beginning. Well, do I want an adult toddler running around? No, we've all worked with toddlers. It's like, oh, hello. It's all, not all about you today. Let's move on, right? We don't, we grow up, right? So we don't want adult toddlers. So what's this at the beginning, train them up at the beginning, really mean? Well, I started pondering it and going through our life and, and the ministries, you know, the junior highs and the high school ministries involved. Kids have stages of life. And each stage takes a special, unique discernment from the Lord on their training at that time. So when I see this, train them up at the beginning. That means at the beginning of each stage of their life, I need to be prepared to train them up for what they need to know. Jesus at that age appropriate lessons at that age, and what they need to do to learn how to be obedient and follow the guidelines at that at that point in their life. How's that happen? On our knees, on our knees. And then when I'm con- then when I'm considering the, the last part, like I said. Um, so that they will do it uh, at the end of their life or as they are old, we have to keep in mind that we don't want adult babies. We want adults. They're not going to become adults if we don't train them. Did I say it was going to be easy being a parent? No. I didn't say it was going to be easy being a parent. Not at all. So when I look at this uh, this verse, I, I come to the conclusion there's two things that we need to focus on. We need to focus on getting them to dedicate their lives to Jesus, number one. Jesus, in the way he should go. Jesus is the way we should all go. So if Jesus is the only way, then we need to focus on getting them to see that Jesus is the only way. So that's our number one. We have to get them just in love with Jesus. And again, what is understanding the truth? What is obeying God really? Anybody, we talked about at the beginning, Steve talked about it, freedom, right? We want our kids to be a bunch of little free beings out there. They'll be adults at that time. But anyways, and how do we do that? We do it from teaching them to love Jesus and showing them that, which we'll talk about again in a little bit. And number two, we have a job. We're responsible to, to raise these children. We're responsible to train them up. So God's given them, as I said, unique abilities, like our boys are completely different. They each have unique abilities. So we have to train each of them up into to be all of that unique ability that God's naturally given them. Because there's a natural ability that God's given all of us. And the problem is children don't know just what they can and cannot do. Children, what are they going to do if they, have the, if they can? They're going to take the easy way. Right? I mean, that's human nature. Take the easy way. Take the easy way. But it's our job as parents to go, hey, yes, you're doing good here, but guess what? You can do this and this, and this, and keep pushing them into their utmost best, to their full 100% potential that's naturally given to them. And why do we do that? Because we want them to be all that God has for them. And God's given them ability, and we have to harness that, and we have to push them so that they know just what they can do. And let me tell you something. When they say yes to Jesus, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to be absolutely incredible. They're going to be taking ground for Jesus. They're going to be taking over this world for Jesus because not only are they functioning in their full natural ability, but then at this time now, because they're dedicated to Jesus, they're functioning by the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So don't be, sh- don't be shy. If you've got a kid that does well, don't be shy about that. Keep pushing them forward. Keep pushing them forward. And if you got a kid, each one's unique. And you can't, you can't hold you know, your firstborn to the same standard as you hold your second and third and whatever on. You got to, each one's different. So if you got a, a student that that's easy to get A's, then you gotta keep pushing them to do that. You got a student that struggles to get C's, don't get mad at them. Just make them do their best. If their best is C's, that's their best. Don't don't get all frustrated and like, well, your sister or brother does this. No, that's not where they're at. They are uniquely created. So you're going to have some that do better, some that do different. Let it ride, but push them to their best ability. Yeah. You've got to push them. If you just sit back and let them float, they're just going to float, and they're, just going, to fl- they're going to be a- a floating adults. <laughs> and we don't want that. We want kids that are productive, taking ground for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say parenting was going to be easy? No, I didn't. But remember this, Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Children are a gift from the Lord they are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Children are a gift, a reward. That's exciting. They're a blessing. They're a blessing. You know, my dad, he doesn't believe in Jesus yet. But I asked him right before we were start, about to start having kids, we, we trained up a dog. And I'm all, oh, this was ridiculous, this stupid Siberian Husky. They just it's just ridiculous. And I go, oh, I don't know if I can take a little human and, and train, a, train a baby. How am I going to do this? I'm a pretty selfish guy. I don't know. This isn't going to go easy. I go, Dad, Dad, why'd you have kids? I wasn't that easy either. I mean, I succeeded in some areas. But my dad and I, we were like this a lot. I go, Dad, why'd you have kids? He goes, son, Kids equal joy. Kids equal joy. Amen to that. Amen to that. They are a gift. Gifts are a reward. Gifts are joyful. And I encourage you, if you're not, if you're not in a joyful position right now, sorry, I didn't mean Heather. <laughs> if, you're not, if, if you're parenting and it's not joyful in your home, I have to ask you, are you doing it God's way? Are you doing it God's way? It's not always going to be easy. Don't get me wrong. I already said that like 10 times. It's not going to be easy being a parent. But yet it should be overridingly joyful. And if it's not, then I challenge you, you better sit down and get in the scripture and figure out, what am I doing wrong? Because if you're not, I mean, we have a special needs kid. You know, there's other people with special needs kids in here too, and it's not easy. In fact, it's really hard. But yet it's joyful. It's joyful in the long run. When they give you hugs and kisses and whatever else they do, and they do their silly little things, you're like, oh my goodness, you laugh and laugh and laugh. I mean, we, t- we jokingly say sometimes we have to discipline a smile on our face. And it's okay. It's okay. But I tell you, it should be joyful. It should be joyful more than it's not. There's going to be hard times. I'm not trying to, you know, sugarcoat that. But it should be joyful. We have to win their hearts, parents. We have to win their hearts for Jesus. So what's it take to be a parent? How do we win their hearts? Number one, it's hard work. Number two, it's commitment. Devotion, dedication, and true, true consistency. You can't tell your kid today to do it this way. Tomorrow, he can do whatever he wants and does it the opposite way, and then the next day, say, do it like I said on day one. That confuses them. That puts them in a tailspin. And then you get frustrated because they're not listening to you, but they don't know what to listen to because one day they can do it, and the next day they can't. You have to be consistent as parents. God's consistent. God's unchanging. We have to be consistent as parents. And, church, you got to remember our children will imitate us. My wife would say sometimes when kids would do something silly, she'd be like, for reals? And so then I got these little four year olds running around, Mom, for reals? And it's like, it's absolutely precious, right? But where'd they learn that? (laughs) Ask yourself like, you know, my wife and I were pretty witty sassy maybe a little bit. And so when our children are a little bit back, we have to slow down. We go, well, where did they learn that from? That's just our family, all right? We're a little sarcastic, so we can't really get upset with these things as long as it's done in a respectful manner. So, so you have to ask yourself, where are they getting this stuff? Well, they're, they're getting it from you. <laughs> and so you're given that God-given authority to train your children. They're going to get it from you. And, and you're going to do one or two things. You're either going to let the world train them or you're going to train them because they're a product of you. If you've let the world train them, they're still a product of you because you let the world train them. My wife, she's a product of the church. She was trained by the church. Her parents said, go to church. (laughs) We're not going. You can do whatever you want to do. But here, I'm going to take you to Iwana's and take you to youth group and take you to Sunday. Blah, blah, blah. The church raised her. And she never strayed from the Lord because the church raised her. That's a great testimony. And praise the Lord. She's a product of her parents. She is nothing like her parents, but she's an absolute product of her parents because they took her to church religiously, if I may say, <laughs> even though they had nothing to do with the church. And praise the Lord, I'm so thankful because I'm reaping that reward. Anyways, <laughs> your words speak louder than your act, or your actions speak louder than your words. First John three eighteen says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. They're going to imitate you. Are you living it? Are you living it? We have to train them about Jesus. We have to train them about obedience. And church, we got to get over this thing that we're scared and fearful to discipline our children. We really do. That's a worldly influence that's absolutely opposed to and against the Word of God. Proverbs 13.24 says this, Whoever spares a rod hates his son, But he who loves him is diligent. There's that word diligent again. Diligent to discipline him. To discipline him. We have to be diligent in training our children. It's not a sometimes, it's not an inconsistent thing. It's an everyday, complete, 24-7, hard work, all the time thing. Now, I do say this for young parents. you got to get away sometimes too. Because number one, your marriage has to... To show them a good uh, home as well. So if you're not getting away sometimes, you're and working on you know your two your relationship, you're making a mistake. You got grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends. I mean, we trade kids. You know, well, we shuffle kids. We don't really trade. We go, you go here, you go there. Some of you go over there to get away for a couple nights here and there, just to be with each other. I'm going to encourage you that as young parents, your kids will be okay without you for a day or two. Okay. They will survive. They will survive. We always say, as long as everyone's okay when we get home, we're good. That there's always something broken. There's always something ruined at home. But yet, the kids are alive, and that's all that's important. And so so you've got to get away. But, and I say this also. There's a group of single parents out there, and I, I truly believe that's one of the most difficult situations to be in in life. Right. And we as a church family, we need to find those people, and we need to say, I love you. Yeah. I'm here for you. How can I help you? And, and single parents, you need to receive some help. Yeah. Ditch your kids with somebody for a while. You need a break. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not dissing your responsibility. That's just, saying, that's just saying, hey, I'm giving you my authority to watch my children right now. Mm-hmm. So you got to take advantage of that. Um, sure. We have to be parents that set expectations for our children in ways that are relevant to them. Remember, we talked about each stage of life. You need to reset the expectations. We need to set our boundaries. And church, when you set a boundary, you better hold the line. If you don't hold the line, they're going to walk all over you. You're going to get frustrated because one day you hold, the next day you don't. They don't realize you tell them ten times the next day because you didn't hold the line. It's your fault that they're not following and staying within the boundaries that you've set up and and living the expectations you set up. It's your fault for not holding the line. So church, we have to be a church that holds the line. And just remember, church, it's a God-given authority. It's a God-given authority. You need to own it, accept it, and live it. And always remember, God is a redeemer. Right. God is the God of overcomers. God changes lives. He works miracles. <laughs> I can't even say. It. I can't even say it right. I can I try. I tried right there to say it right. It didn't even come out right. God works miracles. We're all changed beings. I'm a changed person. I'm not the same person I was before I knew Jesus. And so, so. Sometimes, sometimes in our modeling, we've kind of blown it. Sometimes we haven't been the servant-hearted example of Jesus Christ to our children, and we've blown it. And Paul says this, and this is why it's important not to blow it, but it's also important to correct the if we have blown it. 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one through 33 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Your example means everything. If, uh, if your words contradict your life, your words are absolutely meaningless. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God or to children. That's my little addition there. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Church, we don't want to be a people that leave an offense with our children as well. I talked about it with dad. Sometimes we, we offend our children. We anger them. Mom's too. You get short too. I know most of you don't, but sometimes, every once in a blue moon, you get short. Whatever you do, you mishandle a discipline. You, you make a mistake and you let them do something that you, hindsight being twenty twenty, was contrary to the word of God. You just didn't realize it at the time. God's a God of redeemers. He forgives. But we don't want to be that tool that keeps him from Jesus. So if we've made that offense, we have to be a people that apologize for that offense as well. We need to go to our children, sit them down, and ask them to forgive us. We've been forgiven by a gracious Heavenly Father. We need to ask our children to forgive us too. And not only does that, you know, clear up the relationship and, and uh, um, keep you from keeping them from Jesus, but at the same time, it teaches them about repentance, Our children need to one day repent to Jesus on their own and say, Jesus, I need you. I need to turn my life over to you. And so if we don't model, we don't model a life of forgiveness and repentance, how are they going to learn to do that on their own or learn to do that in time? So we need to be a people of repentance so that our children be a people of repentance as well. No matter where we're at in life, we need to model Jesus to, to our little ones. We need to confess our need for him. They need to know that we need him. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're going to think they don't need him. We need to confess that we're flawed and we make mistakes. (laughs) You don't have to be perfect. Sometimes there's this macho macho like pride that we can't make mistakes as parents. Well, who are you kidding? You're going to make mistakes. You're not perfect, and it's okay. What do you need to do, though? You need to go back and apologize, and make it right. Take a deep breath, church. It's okay that you've made mistakes. It's okay that you've blown it. Be humble enough to own it, though. Eat your pride. Go and make it right. You know, uh, I have some dear friends that, uh, they didn't make it right, and uh, um, their son's far, far away from the Lord, and it's absolutely devastating to me, Heartbreaking crushing, because i, I don 't even know wh- what I can do in this situation and and you can 't blame it. you know every person's responsible and held accountable to Jesus for their choices but i 'll tell you what we don 't want to be that tool that cre- creates a, a hatred and a disgust for the church, a hatred and disgust for jesus and and, and so I say that light, well heavily, but it 's heartbreaking it 's heartbreaking. we have to model Jesus. We have to model repentance, forgiveness, and His truth. So I, I'm going to say that this: that something that's really on my heart is for those of you with grown parents. This has been on my heart since the, the get-go. Children. Grown children, because you should be grown parents, hopefully. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's a good thing Logan and Andrew are in here to keep me online, but, and I mean that. Thank you guys, but you have grown children that don't know Jesus or have turned their backs on Jesus and walked far away from Jesus. Or maybe you didn't come to know Jesus until you were older. And I just encourage you, I encourage you to take some time this week and go humbly and honestly before the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have I blown it? Have I blown it? And if you have, just go make it right. Go ask them to forgive you. Swallow, eat. Whatever your pride, whatever it takes, don't be that offense. Just go, hey, I blew it. Don't if, ands, what, buts about it. Just, I blew it. I love you dearly. I blew it. I'm sorry. There's nothing more important than you knowing Jesus, and I am so sorry that I have blown it. And that's for us younger parents, too, that still have kids in the home. You blow it, correct it right away. Correct it right away. When you model Jesus, he has to be your treasure. If your treasure is the world, sports, I don't know whatever your treasure may be. If it's not Jesus, their treasure is not going to be Jesus either. He's got to be number one in your life. He's got to be number one in your life because we want them to have to. We want them to model that, and they're going to imitate us. And if we're imitating movies and TV or you know whatever it may be, I you know everyone's different. Maybe it's golf. I don't know. That's not even a sport. It's just a game. But whatever it is, whatever it is, if Jesus isn't your treasure, if Jesus isn't your treasure, if Jesus isn't your treasure, it's going to be hard for them to make Jesus their treasure as well. So Jesus has to be our treasure. Your example has to be solid. And let me give a little plug, not this next semester, but the following semester, Andrew and I, we we host a parenting class We'd love to have everyone in there that would like to be in there. And some of you that might not want to be in there that know that you probably should be in there. It's a great opportunity to come uh, network with people and, and really learn how, how to do uh, this thing called Parenting God's Way. Um, and it's simple stuff because, for example, God doesn't always talk about how to potty train a kid. There's certain things that... The Word of God doesn't talk about it. And so, like, in our last one we had, or a while ago, I don't remember, uh, Jeff and Sarah were in there, and they had just potty trained their kid, and we were struggling to get our twins potty trained. And they go, well, we put this little hat on and do the potty dance. I'm all, what? No. But we started doing the potty dance. Well, I started doing the potty dance, and it worked. Now, no, I'm not going to show you. Oh. Oh no no no! I don't have (laughs) I don't have that much dignity, but that's a little too far. (laughs) That's a that's a family only dance, all right? Potty 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 potty. Okay. Anyways, anyways. Okay. (laughs) What? It's all about freedom, church. And what is freedom? It's obedience. It's obedience. John 8, 31 through 32 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Don't you want your children to be free? Don't you want your children to live in all the freedom and all the blessing and all the glory that God has set out for them? Then train them train your children it's our responsibility our homes have to be an environment of joy peace freedom and super exciting for jesus again if you've blown it reconcile it there's no perfect parents out there there's no perfect parents out there but if you let it go un undealt with unreconciled if you let it go you're not doing your kids any favors and you love them you love them to death Swallow your pride and make sure that your relationship is solid and that they know Jesus is number one in your life and that they need Jesus and that you're not perfect and it's okay. Abide in the Word, church. Teach your children that they need a Savior and His name is Jesus. And we always say we, we believe in the Great Commandment. That's kind of our, our, you know, we balance everything off of what the Great Commandment says and what we do. Love God. Love people. Well, let's put it: love God, love children, and in that order, love God. Then you love your children. Love. Actually, let me throw this out there: love God, love your spouse, then love your children. All right, because if you're, if again, if your marriage relationship isn't solid, they're going to see that and they're going to have a struggle, and they see everything because they, in, are little imitators, for reals, for reals. reals. (laughs) Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you have sent your Son for all of us. Thank you so much that you said, let the little children come to you. Thank you so much that children set us an example of faith to walk in obedience and joyfully and without inhibition, but to fully just throw themselves at you, Jesus. We just praise you for that. Jesus, we just thank you for all you've given us. We thank you for the cross. Without that, we would all be lacking in suffering. But because of your work on the cross and the fact that you rose three days later, we have eternal life. We have forgiveness of our sins and we can move forward. And we just praise you for that, Jesus. Bless us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill us over to overflowing so that we can be the parents you've called us to be. We need you. We confess our deep, dear need for you, Jesus. Amen.